0: Hey everybody, welcome back to This Week in Startups. We're doing our legal basics, startup basics, so that you do not have to email me the same questions over and over again. And I tell you, get a great lawyer, because I happen to have one of the world's greatest startup lawyers with me. Becky DeGraw is here from Wilson Sonsini, and we are going through the questions that you and I get asked Over and over again, week after week, just so we have a starting point for people, right? Becky, I mean, that, that's what these videos are intended to be. Just a starting point, that first conversation you would have.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, you know, covering the basics is so important to, to get it right. It's so costly if you, if you don't.
0: Yes. And perhaps I'm trying to think if there's anything you could screw up more than the basics of an employment agreement, because if this goes wrong, you have somebody on the other side, the employee, who can feel wronged and they will take action if they feel wronged. And if you get it right, then you can have a reasonable discussion with somebody. But if you are just going on a handshake agreement or an email agreement, you know, this, an oral agreement, these things are not really legal, uh, legally binding and they're very nebulous, Correct.
1: Correct. And and people's uh, memory differs <laughs> quite often without something in writing as to what the, the real agreement was.
0: Right. And there's so much nuance. You and I say, we're going to start a company and we'll be partners. And then one person says, yeah, we'll be partners, uh, but you never talk about how much stock each person gets. Or we're going to be partners, but who's in charge? Or we're going to be partners and we have to vest our interest in the company. We're not just partners in coming up with the idea. We have to actually build it for the next four years. So let's talk about what are the basic documents, because as far as my understanding uh, of the law works, if it's not in a document that everybody has had proper representation on either side, and that's been signed and reviewed and formalized, you're really doing it wrong, correct?
1: Absolutely. I mean, you you can have oral agreements, but- Again, there's the it, it comes down to who she she said, he said, and what was really agreed to. And a lot of times, you don't even think about it. Like you just said, you you say, oh, we're going to start a new company, and you don't address all the nuances. And the devil is always in the details.
0: Right. So the sooner you get to this, the better. What I always tell founders is, hey, if it's worth doing this project, and you're about to put thousands of hours, hundreds, if not thousands of hours in the early stage to get this going it's worth doing right. So let's go through what doing it right means. And I guess, what type of letters and agreements, what, what, what's the basic framework of an agreement between an employee or, or co-founders and the company and each other? And, and why do they exist?
1: Yeah, so I'd say, you know, you've got, you've got a couple different ones. One is going to relate to your service relationship to the company. So if you're an employee, it's going to be an employment agreement. And one is going to relate to, the equity that you have in the company so maybe we can tackle them one at a time um, on the employment side you know some people will use offer letters you don't have to use an offer letter that's really just the the, the first document that you'll put in place um, put in front of a, a potential candidate it's going to lay out the basic terms to make sure that you're all on the same page regarding your salary and bonus your equity award but At the end of the day, that's really just kind of like a term sheet almost to get you to the next step. So the the document that you really want to care about is if you're hiring an employee is an at will employment agreement. Mm. That document is going to have your confidentiality provisions and most importantly, your IP assignment provisions in it. If you don't sign that agreement with your employees on the very first day that they start and they create some IP for you, the default is they own that IP, not the company. So you want to make sure that those agreements are put in place for every single person, every single employee on day one. When you go through a financing, investors are going to ask you to rep that you have all of those agreements. So make sure that you keep them in you know, actually a a safe place so that you can refer back to them. So if somebody says, well, no, I didn't sign that, you can pull it out and say, well, yes, actually you did.
0: Yes. And there were a couple of terms in there that we should pause on in case people are very new to this. IP assignment stands for intellectual property assignment. Intellectual property, from my understanding, is a collection of different ideas. There are trademarks. There are patents. There are ideas. There's copy, like you could write something, art. There's code. There's all kinds of different... Uh, things that come out of a person's mind, go through their skill set to their fingertips or to a pen and then become a work product. That's intellectual property. And if you don't assign it to the company, what you're saying is it's by default assigned to the individual.
1: That's right. That's right. And I think you hit on something that's really important is it's not just what we call registered IP of, of patents and trademarks and copyrights, but it's ideas. It's the Mm. business plan itself. It can be, hey, we're just sitting here talking and we're getting excited and we're saying, oh, what about this? What if we do that with the business? What if we go in this direction? All of that is actual IP. Mm. And if you don't have that protected, somebody can come back and say, well, wait a minute. I own the IP, not the company. You got to pay me off.
0: Yeah. And you know, sometimes these are late night sessions or people are going for a walk and talking about ideas and people forget, like you're saying, whose idea was it to, you know, upload videos to a webpage and let people host them for free? Oh, that was my idea. And you know, there were three co-founders of YouTube. I I don't think there was any legal issue between them, but one of them left early. Two of them stayed. One of them got half of his equity from what I remember and the other two got their full investing of equity and. You know, then you had Snapchat, they had this third founder that came out of the woodwork. So you see these happen all the time. And if they had IP assignments uh, and employment agreements, this would be uh, avoided, these kind of issues, or at least you would have something to hand to your lawyer so they could respond to a claim. Because anybody can make a claim against you, right? A former employee. But if you have the paperwork, that's the first thing you ask for, right? When absolutely. a claim comes up, show me the paperwork.
1: Absolutely. I, I don't want to see the emails. I don't want to hear about what conversation you had on, you know, the eve of Thanksgiving. I want you to show me what was actually signed between the two parties, because that's what's going to carry the most weight. And people will absolutely bring frivolous lawsuits. It's it's going to happen. And, and it happens all the time. But. If, you know, they do bring, you know, some sort of frivolous claim and it's not an actual lawsuit. It's always some demand letter is how it starts. You know, you, you pull out that document from your side and say, look, this was signed on the day that we started the company before we even started talking about anything. You agreed that you were going to sign everything into the company. That's highly likely going to make it go away.
0: Yes. And I have been through this many times in my, now over twenty-year career, as I'm getting old, and we even when we terminate an employee, uh, or they leave on their own, whether it's a voluntary or an involuntary termination, they decide to leave. We decide to leave. We tell them, "Here is your exit agreement, um, and a reminder: here is the document you signed for confidentiality. Here is your IP assignment, and here, you know, uh, are all the different kind of we're breaking up agreements." And we actually send it to them. That is part of the best practice too, right? Is to remind people and make sure they understand what they're signing. Maybe you could speak to that a little bit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, folks have a lot of questions about that. It's like, oh, when somebody leaves, do I have to get them to sign, you know, a separation agreement that has, you know, a release in it? You don't have to get every employee to sign that. Um, and most companies don't get every employee to sign a separation agreement because in order for that separation agreement to be enforceable, you have to give them some sort of consideration. Maybe you let them vest a little bit more. Maybe you give them some cash payment um, in order to to get that enforceability. But when it comes to founders, when it comes to key employees, you absolutely do want to have that separation agreement in place because it's going to spell out exactly what the terms are. It's going to say you are vested in X number of shares and only that many shares. If you want to exercise your option, you have to do it by this date. And it does. It certainly does remind you of all the obligations that you signed up to in that at will employment agreement.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned at will now twice. Explain Mm -hmm. what at will means um, in America, and specifically California, where many of these companies are, because this, I believe, varies by state. And it certainly varies by country. We've seen recently in the news. I don't want to date this piece too much. But you know Uber had done some layoffs globally and there was one country i think it was Amsterdam where it's like yeah you you can't let those employees go you have to ask us to let them go or yeah. in france i think you have to if it's over x number of people you're laying off you have to give them a year severance so it's different in every region let's talk about the region we participate in most california and then we can work our way out to the united states for at will
1: yeah so at will really just means you can you you work at will. You can leave at any time and the employer can fire you at any time. Um, there is no advance notice required. Um, uh, the, the thing I would note that, that you touched on is even here in the U S state by state employment laws vary and it's California is one of the most employee friendly states. Um, So for example, if you were to include a non-compete provision in this at-will employment agreement that also has your confidentiality and your IP assignment provisions, California has taken the position that we don't like non-competes in that setting at all. So if you include one, you jeopardize the enforceability of your entire agreement, meaning your confidentiality and IP assignment provisions may be invalidated simply because you included a non-compete provision. Um, Whereas... New York, for example, you can include non-compete provisions. It's totally fine, as long as they are narrowly tailored. Really important to get the right form for each state. And that is governed on where the employee is located, not where the company is located.
0: Right, which is critically, you 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 cut me off at the past, because I was about to ask, <laughs> in this age of remote work, you have people who were previously in California and decide, hey, I'm going to move up to Woodstock and live this incredible life on a farm. And now, if they do that the uh, employer could give uh, an employment agreement in New York and say, you work at Uber, you can't work at Lyft, you work at Postmates, you can't work at DoorDash. And they can actually enforce that if it's reasonable. And I believe reasonable is like the person, you can't, my understanding is in, in some of these reasons, you can't, the person can't be uh, kept from making a living, but that you can get them for six months or a year to not be able to compete against you. And so you're going to need to have, a law firm that has sort of a national footprint if you're a work from home company, correct?
1: Well, even if you're not a work from home company, you know, even when we were pre-COVID, you know, often you'll hire you're you're, you're trying to expand your sales force. So, you hire a a a salesperson out in New York yeah. and you may have your rest of your team here. You may hire, you know, a marketing mm-hmm. person down in Texas. Um but if they are located in that state, you have to get an employment agreement tailored to that state. So really really important.
0: The benefit, a lot of people ask me, why is that? Why can't we have non-competes? Well, we we want to have talent be able to move easily from company to company so that we have a vibrant economy. And I think California made a, a good decision. I mean, it's amazing to, to, to think about that right now, California making a great political decision. But every once in a while, I get things correct. Um, And this is a great decision. If you're at Google, why should we stop you from going to the next company? Now, there are trade secrets and IP. So, just because you can go from Waymo, as we saw, <laughs> mm-hmm. a Google spin out that was doing self-driving, and you could go to, say, a company, I don't know, one I was involved in called Uber, you cannot take your hard drive or thumb drive or documents with you. This is called what? In, Misappropriation in the legal of IP. Yeah. Misappropriation of IP. If you take IP from your current employer, bring it home with you on a a a thumb drive and you get caught what happens to that individual?
1: Well, it depends on how severe <laughs> it is yeah. i mean i mean it can it can be it can be very uh damaging to to the individual, not just from you know a reputation standpoint but um you can get you can get sued both civilly and criminally on on some of these things. Um, So it's, it's, it's serious. And it goes back to that IP assignment, right? Of, you know, if you are working for Google, and you've signed your at will employment agreement that has the IP assignment provision in it, you've agreed that Google owns the IP just because you came up with it. You don't get to take it with you when you leave. No. That provision stays in place forever it's not it's not time bound either. It's not like oh well, I've been gone for my, for a year, so I must be able to to use my IP now. No, no, mm. the company always owns it
0: and this is why sometimes you'll see people put on their website that they have all these different patents with their names on it, but those patents were obtained while they worked at IBM or Microsoft or Google, and those are Google or IBM's or Microsoft's patents, but you get to have your name on it. You could say Becky and Jason's you know patent for this you know incredible. You know, drone or a piece of technology or a business innovation. Why is that? Why is the patent office set up like that, where individuals get to have their names on it, but it belongs to the companies? Is there some historical thing there, or just some credit? I always found that was interesting. I was curious if you knew.
1: I I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a patent attorney, but yeah. I I assume it, it. You have to have at least an individual who is the creator. Um, that, yeah. that that's listed, but I I don't know the the
0: history of it. Yeah, and so. One thing that comes up over and over again. Weekend projects. Side hustle. I'm an employee. I work for Google, but I got a side hustle. I'm thinking about starting my own, you know, little, uh, video game that I'm going to upload an app and I'm into chess and I want to make my own little chess game and put it into the app store. Who owns that? And how do those side projects work? And what's the best practice on both sides for dealing with a big trend: people want to do side hustles.
1: So the the short answer is it depends who owns it. <laughs> yeah. uh, so if you're if you're um, as we all are now working from home, and you know I've got my my work laptop in front of me, and I've got yep. my work cell phone next to me, and I'm working away at my full time job, and you know I'm I'm, t- I'm going to take a little break, and but it's between you know the hours of eight and five, uh, during the day, but I don't, I don't really have anything I have to do for my full-time job. And I just, you know, switch over on my firm or on my, uh, you know, employer's laptop and I start putting together some business plan for my side hustle. Chances are that is going to be owned by your current employer. Mm -hmm. So if you want to do a side hustle, do it on your own time, do it on your own equipment and have it have nothing to do with, Um, your current employer. So they can't touch it at all. They own the devices that they give you. They own everything that's on those devices. Even if you are, um, doing it during your, your work hours and you have it on your own laptop, that could, it's, it's possible that that could even be brought in. So the best thing, the best advice is just don't have anything touch anything that your current employer has given you.
0: Can an employer overreach and say, hey, if you want to do a side hustle on the weekend, you have to clear it with us? Because I've heard that's the best practice now in some cases, which is if you want to do a side hustle on the weekend, we want you to let us know so we can tell you if it's competitive or not. And I knew somebody in a situation who worked for one of these larger companies, and they wanted to do a crypto project on the weekend. And the company's like, you know, we have this division over here actually working on crypto. And we don't know that your side hustle is not exactly competitive with that. So you're breaking your not this, you know, non compete while working for us. So this can get super complicated. Can it not?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I will often get calls from, uh, potential clients who are in that situation of I am starting to think about putting together a side hustle. Oh, and it happens to involve two of my other coworkers. Oh There's non-solicitation issues that are involved there as well. Um, and you know, we, we absolutely will, uh, give advice to them as to how they can separate, how they can go through the, the process in the right way. And mm. a lot of that involves what's the first thing that we ask for is, Where's your employment agreement with your current employer? I want to see that so that I know what you're bound by so that we know what um, parameters to work within.
0: And this is very scary for people because it involves attorneys and big companies with unlimited resources. But being straight up with your employer is, and having good representation on your side is the best practice, correct?
1: Absolutely. If, if, if for nothing else, like you don't want to get sued by your current employer when you walk away. That's not, that's not going to be a good start for your new business. Investors are going to run from that if they, they see that. And it's a small community. I say this all the time. Everybody is so connected. You may think like, Oh, my current employer is not going to have anything to do with what I'm doing because it's a totally different industry. That may be true, but. The person that sits on their board may be part of the same VC firm that happens to, you know, you end up talking with, and next thing you know, it's like, oh, you left on bad terms with with that. I, I don't want to touch it. So it's it's a small small world. Like, leave on good terms. Don't burn bridges.
0: Mm. Explain just briefly non solicitation and how that works in a nuanced way, um, and, and what the duration of these non solicitation agreements are. In other words, I can never ask somebody who I worked with at Google or some other company to come, you know, pick a company and call it Acme company. If I worked at Acme company with 10,000 employees, I can never ask any of them to join my company. Or is it after one year I can ask them or if they apply and I didn't ask them to apply, but they did apply because they saw the ad on Craigslist. Am I in the clear? How does that work?
1: Yeah, this is this is actually an area of law that's changing a little bit right now. And this also varies state by state so we'll we'll take the the california approach here sure. um and i'll start with what the law used to be because right now it's kind of in an uncertain area so the law used to be that basically it was a non-solicit for one year following the termination of your employment that you couldn't go and solicit others to leave with you or to take them um from the the, the former employer Seems um, reasonable, right um you know uh you don't want to take your, the, the employer doesn't want to lose their whole task force if you come in and steal the best people. Um, that being said, if any of those people, if you start your own company and any one of those people apply on their own, off their street, unsolicited, that's totally fine. It does come down to a he said, she said thing, right? As to, well, did you really solicit them? Did you not? And at the end of the day, if you're a startup, and this is just the reality of, of the world, if you're a startup and your former employee is a big, um, powerhouse, um, company, they probably have more legal resources than you do. And if you do start picking their key employees and they get upset about that and they serve, you know, a cease and desist letter and, um, a demand letter and wants to, you know, threatens litigation, you really need to take that, that seriously. Um, you're going to have to disclose that to future investors. Investors don't want to, uh, when you're first starting to buy into a lawsuit, right? Um, particularly when you don't have the, the resources and all the, the money is going to come from the money that the investors are, are putting in. So be careful about it. Again, you know, talk to a lawyer, figure out when and how you can do it. There are some nuanced ways of, of being able to do it. Um and sometimes you know, uh we'll even see uh, startup companies where it's uh you know two or three f- folks want to leave together to start a company as co-founders. The best way to do that is to have the conversation with the employer of say, hey, we all have been talking about this together. None of us solicited each other. It's just something that we have been working on and you, you are in some ways kind of asking for their blessing to yes. to move forward.
0: And, and typically, companies will be... You could be surprised. They will actually be supportive. Maybe they want to invest. Maybe they um, want to have you a still on as consultants. Or maybe they want to be a customer of your future project. A lot of this comes down to when these demand letters happen. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, how people feel. Emotion. So if you were, as an example, at Acme Company, and you were to tweet, you know, and you left Acme to start the Delta Company... If the Delta company tweets, we have three open positions, that's one thing. If the Delta company does a mass email to a hundred Acme employees and says, we're hiring for three positions. And that winds up in a hundred different people's email boxes at the company on their corporate servers. Well, that would be quite aggressive and antagonistic and might make the CEO or HR department take notice and then write the demand letter and feel that was overreaching, even if it technically wasn't solicitation or you'd say well i just sent a generic thing we're looking for somebody you know to <laughs> fill these positions but i didn't say you like you start getting into these like splitting hair things i find you, you if you step back and you just think empathetically how is that going to make the other person feel and is that going to make them feel we're being jerks or unfair or just unethical Th- there is a piece of this common senseness and empathy that is important to think about yeah
1: Absolutely. I mean, uh, we're, we're all human beings. We all have emotions, right? And a fair number of uh, lawsuits or disputes arise because people's emotions get heated. And if you can avoid that and be reasonable and have reasonable conversations, you're likely going to end up in a better position from, you know, a, a dispute perspective.
0: I had one instance I'll, I'll say and I'll just, I'll scrub some of the details, but I literally had somebody who emailed themselves from their corporate account to their Yahoo account or Outlook account or whatever it was, our entire company database <laughs> of customers and had written in their corporate laptop in a, in, a, in a spreadsheet, a plan to create a competing product with a competitor and then taken RIP and cut and pasted it from one document into another. And we found out. <laughs> the thing that made me feel so hurt about it is the person you know said hey listen i'm really broken up but i want to you know i'm resigning and i said okay let's go for a walk we'll talk about it. i want to be a supportive i was going take him for a long walk we talk for an hour We get a coffee and i said well you know uh, you know i want you to make the right decision if there is there any other company you want to go to because i'm happy to introduce you if you don't want to be here you you put in a good year for me uh, i want to be as supportive as i can so let me know how it can be helpful if you want to work at one of our portfolio companies so like no 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 i think i, I figured it out and then of course I get the call that, Hey, this person has stolen everything. And I was like, wow, I feel so betrayed. This person, it was a Asshole. young person. So they were stupid. And I was like, okay, this is a young, stupid person who has no idea exactly what happened. And I literally dropped, it's a giant, like I dropped a hundred bricks on the head <laughs> of the, of this person and their employer. And I said, yeah. I have this person dead to rights. I am suing everybody for all time. I don't care how petty this is. I don't care how much it costs. I'm taking it to the mat. And the other person was like, uh, I'm a fan. The employer was like, Jason, I am a huge fan of yours. I have rescinded the offer to the person who stole all this stuff. I'm aghast. Thank you for telling me. I, I don't want them stealing from me. I don't want them stealing from you. And I, I really want to have a good relationship with you. I was like, you have a great relationship with me right now. And then I told the other person who had worked for me previously, this is a life lesson for you. And, you know, be thankful I don't tweet that you stole from me because it'd be the end of your career. And I was very emotional about it. I'm very emotional about it right now. I hate being stolen from. If you steal from somebody and it, like you're saying, the reputation damage is so great. And all you have to do if you were going to steal all this stuff, is just whatever's in your mind. If you, a month later, decided you wanted to start from scratch on an empty sheet of paper, you can do that. Yeah. And then I have no recourse. But yep. if you did it on my computer, on my time when I was paying you, oh, that makes me feel terrible. And you stole all those documents. I have a right to be upset, don't I, Becky? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, it's not just you, but everybody that's invested in that company, right? Everybody, every other yes. employee that's still there, that's building that company, yes. that has equity in that company. Like, Yeah, it's it's... IP theft, idea theft is no different than going out and, you know, theft of somebody's house or yes. car or money or whatever it is.
0: It, it is Yeah. And it's arguably worse when it's a company like that because these that's what these companies have is they have ideas and they have strategies and, you know, they're hard to protect and they're easy to steal. You don't have to break into the house. You email it to yourself as this employee did, like... And because it do, because it's just an email I think people in their mind young employees they just don't think it's stealing. Yeah. They're like, "Oh, I just I just emailed it to myself. That's not stealing." One one
1: thing that we actually see very often is customer list. And they're like, "Oh, well, it doesn't matter. All I'm taking is like names and numbers." Yes, but that is a curated set of names and numbers that you're taking. That is the company's IP as well. You can't take that information and use that in your future endeavor.
0: Right. and I mean, it's so dumb because their employees get to keep their LinkedIn and Twitter. Like That's been well-established. Your LinkedIn and your Twitter, I don't know if it's been established legally, but I know it's been established culturally that your LinkedIn is your LinkedIn. Yeah. And that's portable. So if your customers were all following you on LinkedIn and they see your job change, cause LinkedIn does that and you went from Acme to Delta company. Okay. Fine. If the, cu- if a customer wanted to follow you from Acme to Delta, it's kind of like the no solicitation thing. Well, they decided to reach out and you didn't go down the list of all the existing customers in the list you stole and then rated them, which makes people feel bad. Yeah. Yeah. Don't make people feel bad.
1: <laughs> that's, that's generally a good, good, good life, life lesson.
0: I tell people don't poke the tiger like you just don't want to get into it because, you know, you got in some cases, you know, people have really serious lawyers like I do with Wilson (laughs) Uh, and other times they have unlimited resources internally. And like you said, there's a startup. The first thing we ask for when we have diligence is we ask people, are there any legal issues in this company, including a demand letter or what I just tell people has a lawyer emailed you about any issue?
1: Yeah, I mean, really, the the reps that that the company will have to give in a financing will talk about any pending or threatened, or any yes. reasonable belief that one of those is coming your way.
0: Reasonable um, belief, so you even have to have you the can. letter
1: D- depending wow. depending because I mean,
0: I like that, I may add that to mind. <laughs> reasonable belief. So if somebody calls and says, "I'm suing you," you have a reasonable belief a letter's coming. You should disclose that.
1: Yes, wow. yes, so it depending on depending on the rep, right yeah. um, but when it when it comes to diligence and that's you know something separate than the act of what's actually documented in your financing documents, in that scenario, I always 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 tell my company clients over disclose because mm-hmm. if you don't and something pops up two weeks after the investment closes, mm-hmm. material you're gonna one. Maybe from a legal standpoint, you didn't have to disclose it, let's say. But if it pops up and you have this brand new relationship, that's all nice and happy with this investor and they're sitting on your board and you're feeling great. And then you have to go back and tell them, well, actually, they were really angry when they left mm. and they threatened a lawsuit. And they said all this crazy stuff about, you know, that they owned IP and all that. But, you know, they, they just said it. I didn't think anything was going to come of it. Eh, you're kind of putting mm. yourself in a in a difficult relationship spot with your new investor.
0: Yeah, it's a really transparency, always a good idea. All right, listen, Becky, this has been amazing advice. Thank you to Wilson Sincini for giving me uh, legal advice for the past <laughs> decade, keeping me out of trouble and keeping all my ducks in a row. And even if you do everything right, bad things can happen and you just have to stay calm and work through it methodically. And that's why it's so important to get the basics correct absolutely basics correct everybody all right becky thanks for being on the pod and we'll see you all next time on this week in startups